But first, let's read in our Bibles together from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we'll start at verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11 at verse 23, that's found on page 1,139. 1 Corinthians 11 at 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give direction when I come. And as far as reading from 1 Corinthians 11, then I do encourage you to turn with me in the back of your songbooks to Lord's Day 28. Lord's Day 28. Last week we looked at baptism. This week we're looking at the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Just by way of reminder, we're in the midst of considering the means of grace. Remember the public means of grace? We have the preaching of the Word, and we have baptism and the Lord's Supper as the means of grace. So Lord's Day 28, we're only going to be reading question and answer 75 and 76. Since number 77, we read with the institution of the Lord's Supper. So question and answer 75, let's respond with the answer together. Again, that's page 884. Question and answer 75, how does the Holy Supper remind and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his benefits? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup in remembrance of him. With this command comes these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup shared with me, so surely his body was offered and broken for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of him who serves and taste with my mouth the bread and cup of the Lord, given me as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with his crucified body and poured out blood. 
Then question answer 76, what does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his poured out blood? It means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ and in this way to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it means more. Through the Holy Spirit, who lives both in Christ and in us, we are united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so, although he is in heaven and we are on earth, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. And we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are by one soul. And as far as reading in the catechism, we ask for the blessing of our God upon the preaching of his word. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, participating in a shared meal is just a normal part of daily living. It's what we do as families. When you sit across the table from family members sharing a meal, it's at those times that we tend to have our deepest conversations. We share our joys, we share our struggles, and there is a closeness that comes together when there is fellowship around a meal. Well, this rather ordinary part of our daily lives is elevated to new heights when we consider the meal that is shared around the Lord's table. One of the lessons that we are to take away from the Lord's table is that we are hungry, that we are starving, that we are thirsty, we are parched, we are weary. We need to be fed. We need nourishment. We are wasting away. We are malnourished. And it is our loving God who comes to us and feeds us, who gives us what is necessary. Jesus Christ is the food that feeds our hungry souls. Like a good shepherd, Jesus Christ leads his sheep into green pastures and beside still waters. A loving parent provides food for their children. Now, parents, you might remember a time, if your children are a little older, you might remember a time when your child was completely dependent upon you for everything that they needed. As you had this little child in your arm, if, you, if this child was hungry, the only way that this child would receive food is if you took a bottle and you put that bottle in the child's mouth. But as that child grows and develops and starts to, to sit in, the, in their high chairs, uh, you can prepare the food, set the food before them, but you're teaching them, you're instructing them, at this time, little one, you need to take the spoon in your hand. You teach the child, you need to, to take that food for yourself that's been set before you, bring it to your mouth. You need to take that cup and, and learn to hold that cup and drink that cup. As they get older, there is a development as they start to learn to take this food for themselves. And although you as the parent are the one who needs to, to prepare the food and put that food on the plate before them, that child in their development starts to take that food uh, unto themselves. Well, today we are going to see that, in a similar way, we are sitting around a table. And as we sit around the table, it is our loving host, it is Jesus Christ who prepares the food and sets the food before us. But as we do with our children, Jesus Christ says to us, take and eat, remember and believe. Jesus Christ gives us that, that blessed food, the meal is provided for us, 
is prepared before us. A, a table is prepared before us. But we are called to take. We are called to eat. So this morning we are con- going to consider this theme, that Jesus Christ, the blessed host, feeds his people with his body and blood. So Jesus Christ is going to feed his people with his body and blood. In our first point, then, we look at how the sacrament of the Lord's Supper is meant to be seen. Is meant to be seen. Now, children, you might all remember when you recognized, when you remembered the definition for a sacrament, it is a sign and a seal. And as a sign, it is to be seen. It is to be made visible. Question answer 75 starts by saying this. As surely as I see the bread and the wine with my eyes. The Lord's Supper is a sacrament that is meant to be seen. Now this might seem a a rather uh, trivial or or elementary truth, but remember that the sacraments are the God-ordained visual aids. That the sacraments are putting into the visible category what we hear audibly. It is the word made visible. God knows our weakness. He knows our struggles. He knows our fears. He knows our our doubts. He knows how quickly we are to forget. And the Lord's Supper is given to us as a a reminder, a, a memorial, a visible picture of what is true. That first Passover that Jesus Christ celebrated, which was turned into the Lord's Supper, Jesus Christ, in the sight of the disciples, took bread in his hands, broke it and distributed, took that wine of that cup of blessing and passed it to his disciples. It's a visible moment when we see the bread broken and the wine poured out. And as we see, we are convinced, we are reminded of what is true. Because the fact is, brothers and sisters, you and I were not there. We weren't there when Jesus Christ was offered at that one sacrifice. We did not personally witness his death on the cross. And since we were not physically present, we may be tempted to doubt this fact. Did Jesus really die on the cross? Are you sure, are you certain that Jesus died on the hill of Calvary? And even if you may testify to the fact that it is a historically reliable fact. Do you know that he died for you? That his death was a death for you in your place? The Lord's Supper is given to us to answer that doubt. How do you know that Jesus really died? You see it right here. How do you know that Jesus really died for you? You see it right here. As surely as I see the bread and I see the cup, so surely I am assured, it is certain, it's impressed upon me, these things really happened. And he really died for me. In this, Jesus is giving us proof. It is a testimony Jesus is saying to his church, I really died and I really died for you. My death is for you. 
And I now give you this meal to remind you so that you would see, that you would remember, and that you would believe. I did this. So when we see the sacrament of the Lord's Supper celebrated, when we see these elements put on display, we are to remember and believe that these events really happened. 1 Corinthians 11.23, we celebrate in remembrance of Him. These are a call to remember. Remember. It's a sacrament built on an actual fact, a historical reality. As the 4th of July comes around every year, we're to remember that our nation has liberty from from Britain, so the Lord's Supper calls us to remember our liberty. Liberty secured by Jesus Christ. So we remember, we see it, and we believe it. That's why the bread is taken in the hands of the pastor, lifted up, and put on display. So you can see it for yourself. Jesus Christ is still active. Although it may be the the pastor's hands that break the bread and, and pour the wine, Jesus is the host and he is serving. He's giving us that which is necessary so that we might see it, remember it, and believe it. Although we had not although we have not been there, the Lord's Supper is our way of being there. Calvary is no myth. The Lord's Supper proves it is a fact. It happened. The Lord's Supper is a visible reminder. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. It is a proclamation of the Lord's death. So when we see this meal, it is a visible sermon. It's a constant memorial. He really did die. And as we see it, we are encouraged. We are reminded. Our fears are calm. I remember, I see it, I believe it. But more than that, the Lord's Supper is not just something that we see. It is also a meal that we participate in. It is more than just a a visible reminder. It is that. It is truly a sign. It's not less than a sign. It truly is a sign. But it is also a a seal, a sign with a, a promise. It is not just something that we visibly witness. It is also something that we participate in. As Jesus not only broke the bread, He distributed the bread. And then He said to His disciples, Take and eat. The Lord's Supper is more than just a memorial. It's not just that we're remembering something that happened all those years ago. It is that. But it is also a participation. So we celebrate not only with our eyes, we celebrate with our hands and our mouth. So question answer 75 continues. Not only is the Lord's Supper something in which we see with our eyes. Second, we receive it with our hands and we taste it with our mouth. And we are assured that our souls are being nourished. 
So the Lord's Supper is not just something that we witness from a distance, that we look at it from afar. That's why we, we don't just celebrate the Lord's Supper by way of live streaming, right? Live streaming a, a communion service is not participating in the communion service. You can watch it, but there is the taking part and the eating part. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 26. Take and eat. It is a commandment. There is an active reception that we're called to do. So Jesus Christ sets the table before us. He sets the food before us. He prepares the table before us. And he calls us to take and eat, to receive, to participate in. Now notice what Jesus does not say. Jesus does not say, fend for yourself. Now, I'm sure almost every parent here has said this uh, to their kids, right? Their kids are constantly asking for food. Our response is, Go and find what you need. Take care of it yourself. Fend for yourself tonight. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus does not send us out into the world and say, well, try to feed your souls in whatever way you see fit. Jesus prepares the table, calls us to come, and says, this is my body, this is my blood, this is what you need. Come, take, and eat. This is similar to what we find in Exodus chapter 16 with the manna, the heavenly bread. The God of the covenant provided the heavenly bread, but the Israelites still had to go out every day by faith and gather. So when the plate is passed, Jesus Christ says to us, take this bread in your hand, place it in your mouth, and eat it. When the wine comes near, you take the cup and you drink. This active component to the Lord's Supper is also for our encouragement. It is a a reminder and a participation. Receive, take, embrace, partake, bring it into you. In this commandment, Jesus is saying, take and eat. The warning is against hardening your heart. That when Jesus Christ says, come, take and eat, that you don't think, I would rather not. Don't harden your heart and turn away. Rather, open wide your mouth and our heavenly host will fill us with his blessings. So Jesus sets the table before us, calls us to partake, and promises to bless those who partake by faith. Jesus is compassionately helping us in our weakness. He's encouraging us so that we see it, we receive it, and we partake of it. Now, every teacher knows that there are different levels to teach, uh, different levels of teaching, different levels of instruction. There are benefits in moving beyond the, the audible, the hearing, to the seeing, to the holding, and to the partaking. For example, if there's a teacher who's going to be teaching a subject on the, the states of water, right, the, the principles of, of fluidity, you can talk about 
water turning to ice or turning to, to steam at different, different levels of temperature. But when that teacher takes into the classroom a bucket of water and takes into the classroom ice and says, here kids, put out your hand, and puts ice in their hand and boils water and sees it evaporate, turning into steam, that is a whole other level of teaching. So Jesus Christ, as the faithful teacher, not only says, listen to my word, he says, see my word, hold my word, eat my word, receive it, understand it. The Lord's Supper really is for the church a hands-on gospel experience. You are holding in your hand gospel truth. I mean, you're holding a sermon in your hand. You're eating a sermon when you're eating the bread. You're drinking a sermon when you're drinking the wine. This truth is impressed upon us. I see it. I receive it. I participate in it. There's something really special and wonderful that takes place at the Lord's Supper the Lord's Supper is not just some, some, some pretending. It's not just going through the motions. Jesus is impressing this upon us. As surely as food is taken in your hand, put into your mouth, becomes part of your body, so surely do my body and my blood become a part of you and you become a part of me. The Holy Spirit is doing something real. He's assuring us, teaching us, and comforting us. Jesus had a similar response to Doubting Thomas. You might remember Doubting Thomas, uh, who wasn't there the first time Jesus appeared to his disciples. And in John 20, Jesus Christ appears in the room where Thomas is there, and Jesus says to Thomas, uh, Thomas, put out your hand. Feel me. Touch me. I'm real. I'm not a, I'm not a ghost. I'm not a phantom of vision. I'm real. Touch me. Feel me. So in the Lord's Supper, Jesus is saying, I'm real. Touch me. Feel me. The bread and the wine are real elements. Just as His body and blood were really shed. And His body and blood really secure the forgiveness of our sins, really nourishing our souls. 1 Corinthians 11.23 This is my body, and my body is broken for you. My sacrifice is for you. My blood shed for you for the complete forgiveness of all your sins. There is a real, personal, concrete promise found here. Well, now that we understand the, the sights and the, the touching and tasting aspect of the Lord's Supper, we press on to consider in our final point the benefit of this supper. The external uh, sight, looking at the bread and wine, and the actual eating of the bread and the drinking of the wine are not enough. Right? You can come to the Lord's Supper, you can see what's going on up here, and you can actually pick that bread up, put it in your mouth, you can take that wine and put it to your lips. You can do all these things without actually benefiting 
receiving what Jesus Christ is giving. There is a true and full benefit of the Lord's Supper only received when we partake rightly. So question answer 76 says, what does it mean to eat and to drink? Well, to eat and drink means to accept the suffering and death of Jesus Christ with a believing heart. In other words, to have the full benefit of the Lord's Supper, you have to receive the supper rightly. We saw this with baptism, right? Last week. It's possible to receive the external sign without actually benefiting from it. Our reading from 1 Corinthians 11.29, that's the end of that 1 Corinthians 11 passage we read, gives us a, a warning. A warning that, that speaks to the heart, to the need for receiving these elements properly. 1 Corinthians 11.29, if anyone eats without discerning, without understanding, if you eat and you drink, you are actually eating and drinking judgment unto yourself. In other words, if, if you come to the Lord's Supper wrongly, or you participate wrongly, the Lord's Supper actually is a detriment. It's a judgment on you. If you eat in a rebellious way, you're actually calling for God's wrath to be poured upon you. So it stands to reason that we have to participate rightly with discernment to celebrate with understanding. Well, to celebrate the Lord's Supper with discernment means that you, you understand what you are doing, what you are celebrating. To discern the truth concerning the body and blood of Jesus to, is to acknowledge His one sacrifice and to embrace the host who is offering you this meal. It means to, to be united to Christ and to His church. That's how you participate rightly. If you are united to Christ and to His church. So how do we, how do we benefit from the Lord's Supper? What marks must be met? Well, the marks must be that we are not only seeing the elements with the physical eye, but we are perceiving the truth with the eyes of faith. Participating rightly means not, not only holding the elements with my physical hands, but I'm grasping onto Christ with the hands of faith. Not only eating the bread and drinking the physical wine, but participating, partaking in Christ's body and blood by faith. As Jesus Christ himself said in John 6.55, My body is true food and my blood is true drink. So Jesus Christ offers his, his body and blood. The Father graciously provides uh, for us what is necessary. His, blood, his body becomes that, that heavenly manna to the people walking in the wilderness. His blood becomes that, that water of life, that living water that flows from his side to quench our thirst. As we saw with baptism, we need to understand exactly who the Lord's Supper is designed for, who should participate in it. So as a, as a clear application of this particular point, when we come to the Lord's Supper, we must make sure that we are coming rightly, properly. 
We come with understanding, with discernment. We are coming with faith, trusting in Christ and united to his people. In our forms, you might remember that there is this phrase. If you are therefore lacking this confident knowledge, please reach out to the pastor or an elder of this church so that you might come rightly. In our very forms, it says, if you don't understand what you're doing, talk to an elder or the pastor before you come. This is a part uh, of fencing the table. That's why we have elders who are fencing the table. Now, fencing the table simply means that the elders are doing their job in discipling and disciplining the church. When we have visitors that come to the church, They are asked to to sign a card stating that they are, in fact, a a professing member of a a biblical church. Because the the elders of our church want to not only protect, protect our church, but also protect those who are visiting as much as possible to avoid their eating and drinking judgment on themselves. So our elders are guarding the table because Jesus calls for discernment. And those who have living and active faith are called to come. This warning, our form also says, is not intended to drive away those who it is designed for. The warning here given in 1 Corinthians 11 is not meant to scare the sheep from coming. This call for faith, this call for believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, does not mean that we have a perfect faith, but it does mean we have an active faith. If you are are weary and weak, if you struggle with, with doubts and sins, then the Lord's Supper is designed for you. If you want to grow in your faith, if you want to trust Christ more and be assured of His sufficiency, then the Lord's Supper is designed for one as you. Well, now that we understand the how we are to benefit, that we partake by faith. We also need to consider what are the benefits here indicated. Or what do we receive when we come to the Lord's Supper rightly? It is not that the Lord's Supper secures these gifts. It's the Christ's sacrifice in which we place our faith, our trust. And Lord's Day, uh, question answer 76 then, uh, outlines for us three basic benefits that are signified in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. The first benefit that is the forgiveness of our sins. To be abundantly clear, it is not the Lord's Supper that secures the forgiveness of our sins. It's because the Lord's Supper is pointing to the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So when you participate in the Lord's Supper properly, you are placing your faith in Christ. And as we place our faith in Christ, we are receiving, by grace, the forgiveness of our sins. Because what is the Lord's Supper but a reminder and a proclamation of Christ's death on the cross? As Hebrews 9 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But with the shedding of Christ's blood, once for all, there is the complete forgiveness of all our sins. The second benefit that is here indicated is eternal life. John 11, whoever believes in me shall never die. The death of Jesus Christ secures eternal life for those who believe in him. 
as we are united to Christ, our living host, we are assured that we shall live forever with him. The third benefit here, question answer 67, is that of union. The Lord's Supper points to unity. Unity with Christ and unity with his people. Unity with our host and communion with the fellow saints. That's why we call the Lord's Supper communion, fellowship. We have union with Christ by faith and united with his people here below. We come to love and appreciate Christ as our heavenly host all the more, and we come to love and appreciate fellow members of his body as well. And in this way, the Holy Spirit continues his work as prayed for in John 17 by Jesus, make them one. So at the Lord's Supper, what we should expect as we partake in the Lord's Supper rightly is our union with Christ, our trust in Christ, our appreciation of Christ, our dependence on Christ grows. And our love and appreciation for our fellow members grows as well. Now you might be asking yourself, it doesn't seem that the Lord's Supper changes anything. I participate in the Lord's Supper, but I go home and I feel exactly the same. Well, as it is with going to hear the preaching on a regular basis, we should expect a gradual, yes, slow, but a gradual growth. It may not be that you can look from this week to next week and say, okay, I can definitely tell how I've been sanctified more in this past week, how I've grown to love Christ and to love His people more after coming uh, to the Lord's Supper. But we should expect, as time goes on, for there to be this slow and steady increase. As you're being sanctified, as you're growing in grace and knowledge, you're loving Christ more. And you're loving His people more as you come with hearts of faith. As we close, the Lord's Supper is a wonderful reminder of Jesus Christ's precious sacrifice. We did not go into how Jesus Christ is present. We're going to be looking at that next week. We're going to look at how Jesus Christ is present in the Lord's Supper. But this week, we focus specifically on the visible, the taking and eating and partaking rightly, that is, by faith. Jesus Christ is the blessed host who feeds his people with his body and blood. So when we come, as we come and we take, we remember, and we believe, let's participate as Christ designed it, to trust in Christ more and to be united to his people, the bread of life and the wine of the new covenant. Here below, we eat in remembrance by faith. And one day, when Christ returns, will feast in his presence by sight for all eternity. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for the Lord's Supper as a visible sermon that we can see with our eyes as we hear with our ears, that we can take with our hands and receive with our mouth that which Christ has promised is ours by faith. May we grow to appreciate the benefits and blessings of the sacraments. May we receive them rightly. And may they be used for the building and strengthening of our faith as you designed.
by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.